Hi everyone, welcome back to Highly Inspired. I'm Ella. And I'm Jordan. Sorry it's been a while it's been since a minute. our last episode. Um, hopefully you guys are still kind of following along, but we've been battling a lot of things over the last few weeks just with Halloween, and we've had lots of spider bites, we've had <laughs> different attacks, Jordan's car got broken into... Lots of scaries. Um, October, of- Halloween, yeah, there's the theme of of spookiness and whatever, but October was a whirlwind. There definitely were some scaries. Yeah, I think I think our biggest scary was, so we were <laughs> on campus late at night studying, just, you know, how we do, and it was a Sunday night, and we're walking back from campus to our house at midnight, and there's these two kids pulled over on the side of the road on campus with, like, six cops. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. do you want to finish the story? <laughs> so we're, we're, we're approaching this group of cops and these two kids. And they're sitting on the ground with their hands behind their back. They weren't handcuffed or anything. But we could see that something was up. And so we're, like, trying to listen in to see what was going on. We're hearing the cops fully yelling at these kids. And the kids are yelling back at them about the debate of heavy weaponry and how these kids had machetes on them and they were they were carrying these duffel bags and backpacks full of like um, hockey sticks, baseball bats, crossbars, Just like anything you think concerning. of. Super concerning. Yeah. I would say those are weapons, right? Like no, you can, definitely. You can seriously injure someone with that. And so we're passing by and we're starting to speed up walking because we're like, holy shit, we need to get out of here. Meanwhile, we look down <laughs> and these kids are wearing Joker masks. Yeah, they had these like plastic joke fucking Joker masks like um, on the back of their necks. Like yeah. they were wearing them while they were skateboarding or whatever they were doing. And so we see that we're like nearing sprinting while we're trying to get away from them. And then we only get like 200 feet and then we hear the sound of skateboarding and we turn around and it's these kids. They let them go right after we walked by. Yeah. Which is terrifying. And so, so terrifying. then we start booking it and we're like, holy shit, they're, they're coming after, after us. us. With machetes. Yeah, like what do they find out? These are the kids, you guys. I, she just said that I got broken into. My car got broken into a couple weeks ago and I think that it might be these kids. <laughs> yeah. They're roaming around the neighborhood causing a ruckus or whatever. I don't know what they're doing, but... I'm not having it. I'm not letting anything bad happen. I'm trying to be super mindful. So, yeah. <laughs> the Joker mask, though, not okay. No. Well, especially with just all of the dark things that come around with the jo- the Joker. Like, anything that has to do with weapons in real life with that is yeah. just it's not I mean, cool. between <laughs> the shootings from the Dark Knight a long time ago. Yeah. And then, like, the, the, scare of the, the tech scares that were going around around the, when the Joker came out. Um, I think that they were, they might've been all fake. They probably were. But, um, we definitely saw some suspicious activity around that. (laughs) Yeah. So we actually saw the Joker for the second time tonight, earlier this evening. So we're kind of just coming off of that high and we wanted to do a podcast about the film because it just so much happened. There is so much to talk about with this movie and Elle and I saw it around when it came out like the first opening weekend um saw it separately but it was good like we both loved seeing it for the first time but it's kind of one of those movies that you see it and you're trying to like you're trying to pick it apart and you're trying to 
think of what happens next and that type of thing. So you're not really noticing all the really tiny details mm-hmm. and the um, like the figures behind it and yeah. the themes and stuff. So we were like, this could be a really good topic to do and talk about like in, in serious depth. So we go and see it again. We have full no clear, like, full clear mind. Like we got so much leave last night. We're here. We're like our brains are sharp mm-hmm. and we just went off. We thought we have gathered so much good material. Yeah. Here. Yeah. There's definitely a lot to discuss. Um, but we do have a few disclosures before we get into disclaimers. Oh, disclaimers. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into every, all the nitty gritties of this podcast, uh, the first disclaimer is if anyone hasn't seen the Joker, don't listen to this cause we might do spoilers. Some spoilers. Spoiler, yeah, spoiler alert for sure. Yeah. Um, and then also we will be, um, for those of you who are aware, the Joker film um, touches on, basically it's mainly on like mental illness. It also touches on violence and just overall there's a lot of sensitive topics that get brought up and we're going to be diving into all those in this podcast. So we just want to give you guys a heads up in case um, that's not something you're comfortable you know, yeah. hearing about. Emphasis on mental illness yeah. because... Um, that basically was the entire movie. Mm-hmm. So pretty yeah. much everything that we want to talk about kind of relates to that. Yeah. And it's totally in, like, these are our opinions. We're not psychologists or anything no. like that. But um, from, what we've, the from what we've gathered and our interpretations, this is just, yeah, kind yeah. of what we feel about it. So, yeah. Um, another thing, too, that we've kind of wanted to preface for you guys that we haven't said in any of our other episodes so far we have zero theme or consistency with the topics that we've been choosing Except to talk about. Except that we're inspired by them. Yeah, I mean, our our podcast name is Highly Inspired. We are very nerdy when it comes to certain topics, and when we're interested in something, we, we just kind of feel... Um, obligated. Yeah, yeah, we just have like a, com- like a compulsion to talk mm-hmm. about it. And research so, it so much. Like, before we did this... Not only did we go see the movie, but we were talking about this film for probably the three or four hours <laughs> yep. before we started recording. Big Dark Knight fans. Yeah. Ba- yeah, all that. All that. A lot of backstory. But yeah, we just, I just kind of wanted to say that because our last our last topic was on dorm stories and college life, super upbeat, like funny stuff, and now we're going into like a totally different realm of mm-hmm. conversation. So Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Ella, should I pick a question? Yeah, let's 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 get into this. So what do we think the overall like main takeaway and theme of this film is, just from a very like high level perspective? Well, I think that you touched on it a little while ago in a really good way. Yeah. And um it's not it's not necessarily good versus evil, but it's society versus I guess the human persona Mm -hmm. and how society shoving a person down is going to obviously push them into a level that they've never been in before. Yeah. I don't know how you phrased that earlier, but it was Um, really good. I think that in my opinion, and I think Jordan and I are in agreement of this, but basically I think as humans, we want our human dignity to be acknowledged and um, someone who's suffering from mental illness or even has experienced strong darkness within the world, they don't have any concept of what their human dignity is. And for example, like when you see Arthur, who is the Joker, um, in the first scenes, 
he kind of has this notebook and it says, I hope my death makes more sense than my life. <laughs> sense with an, a, a C. C. Yeah, with, he can't spell Was that a spelling error, by the way? It was. It was on purpose. And it's, I think it's because he hated school. So that obviously shows, like... <laughs> no grammar. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah he clearly, like, didn't have a good experience with that and wasn't receptive to that. Yeah. Um, and I think... I think what happens is people have... People who have bad experiences in life, if they just, you know... They just, nothing, in his life, nothing was going right, right. Like, his mom had an abusive boyfriend towards him. He was adopted. That meant he was an orphan. He was, um, his mom was a drug addict. She was mentally unstable. Um, from a young age, he was exposed to a lot of violence. And that just continues on throughout the movie. You just, the first scene is him getting beat up by these kids. Yeah, which really set the tone for the movie, by the way, because... A lot of a lot of films right now, at least like with superhero movies, like they're gonna start out in like an exposition, yeah. like kind of building it up, and then you get into like the more action-packed, violent mm-hmm. scenes later on. Yeah. But no, this was like right off the a bat, right off the bat, yeah. like setting the tone. He gets beat up in an alley, laying on his ass, like fully crying. There's no reason for it. These kids yeah. steal his sign at his job, so he's a. For those who haven't seen the, the film, he works as a clown with one of those advertising signs in front of you know different stores, and these kids which just, re- requires him to be so happy all the time, yeah. smile on the face, like super energetic, be on, yeah, yeah. on twenty four seven. Yeah, it's a very kind of depressing life, and these kids just take his sign, run with it, beat him up. It's you know, it's which four is so one. pointless. Like, just, what was even? Why did they even do that? It was just so unnecessary. But I think what that shows is like. You don't know anyone's story. You don't know anyone's background. They could have had... He had no joy in his life. Arthur had just an awful life, and he just keeps getting hit and hit and hit. And eventually, you will hit someone's breaking point, and they will flip a switch, and they will go from being a person that tried to be good and tried to stay positive through all the darkness, but it's just the final straw. It's the last beating, and then they just totally turn to the dark side and embrace evil and they you know start murdering people you know yeah yeah and another thing i noticed in the movie instead of building it up building it up no he had you could see this roller coaster it's not only in him as a person but the movie was also a roller coaster of okay he hits a bad thing Mm -hmm. and then the next day he's doing a stand-up comedy show and then the night after that comedy show he gets jumped again yeah and like it was just he has good days, bad days, good run-ins with people, bad run-ins with I mean, people. I mean, I feel like all and his run-ins it, were bad. But no, but like he went on a date with that was, like a girl. That wasn't a real date. That was in his head. That was in his head. That's what I told you. What that? Remember, I said. That, when, oh my I god! Saw I just got the chills. I no. felt like. Wait, that was in his head. I remember at the movie. I was like, remember, I was like, Matt thought that that was like a real. Date, but those. Oh, were, I thought that. Oh my gosh. So okay. no, his whole life. There's not one good moment. Even in the stand-up, he's getting made fun of. That's why he eventually gets made fun of with. And it's just because that side of his brain yeah. that's been coddled to think towards mm-hmm. the good is it's, always. It's always he puts on this facade to himself of like all of these like fake interactions. Fa- yeah. yeah fake reality when in reality that's not happening it's the exact opposite the only thing that comes off as good from the beginning is his relationship with his mom but then later in the film you find out that that is completely false and his mom set him up for failure which we'll get into that later but basically yeah that relationship was fake 
fuck i'm so stupid what the hell no you're not stupid i just i thought I'm, I, maybe i just I, I i was taking i was guys you're taking taking notes during the movie i was probably like typing something well down. how i noticed it was because when he goes into well first of all i was like there's no way sorry she's too hot for this crazy guy but my second reasoning was i see him with like um the mat the, the paint on when he comes to like kiss her and why would she kiss a stalker because she confronts him about being a stalker so is that why when he showed up at her apartment, he was, like, sitting on the couch and stuff? Is that why she, like, freaked the fuck out? Yes, because she confronts him about stalking, and they have this interaction where he goes with the gun. And she thinks, like, and he thinks that she thought it was funny, but she's actually freaked out by it. And then the next day, he stalks her. She comes to my house and is like, why are you stalking me? And then he has all these fake dates with her, and then they show the sequence again later in the film of her not actually being there. Do you remember that? Like, yeah, that's why. Cause he's in his head. So basically they only had two interactions before that, like running where he went to her apartment or yeah. snuck into her mm-hmm. apartment. And that was it. Yeah. They only had those two interactions yeah. and that wasn't even anything. They were just like, sorry guys. <laughs> so, we just needed to clear that up. I'm so sorry. I clearly missed something while watching that. But, but basically his whole life, he hasn't had one positive interaction. You see that even when he tries to make a kid laugh on the bus by doing, you know, peekaboo, the mom looks at him and goes, stop that. You know, no one is giving him a break. No one's giving him the time of day. He's no. just absolute just darkness. It's just thing after thing, just pushing him and pushing him and pushing him yeah. to absolute breaking point. And what this immediately kind of made me think about is like, in my own life, how can I help people like this? And the best way you can do it is just be nice to every single person you come into contact with. I know that's so hard. We have awful days where you just want to like snap at people, but you don't know what's in someone else's head. You don't know no. if they're going to, if you're going to be that person that triggers that switch to them to then be a bad person. Yeah. You know? and, and honestly, people's problems are completely relative to them. Yeah. Something that you may look at and be like, oh, that's not a big deal. Or like, I, I'm tough. I can get through that. That might be really, really, really hard for them. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about how they handle that pain and handle that stress. So, I mean, I didn't have a great day yesterday. I thought I got fully bitten by a black widow on my face. Um, but, like, who knows? Maybe that later that night I could have gone into, like, a freak-out mode. And then mm-hmm. another bad thing on top of that would have made me freak out even more. Yeah. Like, it's just, yeah, it's all relative and... It's just, it, it means that you just need to treat everyone with kindness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think exactly. that's what, that was golden rule people. Yeah, exactly. That <laughs> There's a reason why it's called the golden rule. Yeah. So that's kind of our general overall take on it. Um, but obviously there's so much more to this, this film that we're going to get into. Like yeah. there's just so many. First off, I want to say this was, I was so excited to see this movie because I was a huge and am a huge Dark Knight fan. Mm -hmm. And when you watch Dark Knight, you're like, oh, Batman, the good guy, like, you root for him the whole time and, and like every other superhero movie, like, you root for the fucking heroes, right? Mm -hmm. But then you see this horrible villain in the first Dark Knight, which is the Joker, and Heath Ledger killed it. Rest in peace, Heath Ledger. Yes, shout out. Um, But uh, you have no idea 
who he is or what his story was and and the movie just kind of throws him in you know nothing about him so i was so excited to see this backstory and it was what 1970s that was kind of yeah that was the setting yeah so it was so cool to see that and it was a completely flipped take on a superhero movie it was shedding light on the villain the villain side um, there is no, like, what is good versus evil? Like, it's completely subjective. Like, honestly, subjectivity is another huge theme of this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Just everything yeah. is relative to mm-hmm. how you interpret it and yeah. et cetera. Okay. Yeah. Should I find a question? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, so I want to talk about mental health because mental health is definitely related to every mini theme of the movie. Yeah. Obviously, mental health isn't something to mess around with. It comprises so much of modern society. But if there were a society with zero mental illness, what would that be like? I don't know. I feel like it would... <laughs> I, I, I can't even answer that question. It's so I good. Know. Like, I honestly, I have no idea. Like... And that doesn't mean that there won't be any crime because mental illness doesn't necessarily constitute to crime and not all criminals are mentally... Like it I, just, think, I think a world without mental... I think the more interesting question is how do you get to a world without mental illness? And I think like we're going to talk about this more, but it's really about addressing issues on the front end versus uh, you know after the fact, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what happened in this movie. He had so much suffering and um evil in his life and no one taught him like how to you know deal with that yeah no for sure it was just complete how he grew up nurture versus nature type thing yeah i don't know if that would be a good thing i don't really even that's just not america yeah like that's just mental is a big part of our not only our history but our present right now that's just a part of humanity and, and civilization do you think that mental illness stems from evil? Um, I think, yes. I, well, I think evil happens. Evil, we will never get rid of evil in the world. And I think that's a, a big problem in our society. We think we're going to be able to squash it, whether at the, ma- the macro level or the micro level. At the macro level, we think, oh, we're going to, there's going to eventually be, and this is a very, like, narcissistic, like, idea but there's gonna eventually be world peace i don't think you can make every single human (laughs) on the earth be a hundred percent positive and i think it's because each of us have a dark side and right now in america we're kind of being raised to suppress that we talked about this a little bit and you kind of have to accept your dark side and then learn how to manage it and be able to identify when it turns to outwardly evil actions that aren't okay and i think the Joker in this film, he is experiencing all these really negative things that are happening, but no one taught him how to call them out and identify it. Instead, they were yeah. like, suppress it. You know, his mom was like, exactly. suppress it. We're seeing, we're seeing the negative effects through him, even though he's a fictional character. Yeah. Like, that, this is a great representation of if those, if that pain, if that darkness gets suppressed so much as to what he had... Mm-hmm then eventually there are going to be repercussions and there's going to be a moment where that has to come out. Yeah. And, and it's like, going to it's so going to keep building and building and building that when it does come out, yeah, it's going to be worse than if you just had embraced it, 
accepted it, learned how to manage it. And honestly, not trying to get political here, but like, I think that parents do need to make that, I don't know, implement that a little bit more because parents right now are so obsessed with coddling their children, making sure everything's all rainbows and butterflies, Mm -hmm. that their kids are protected from every single little thing on a daily basis. When when in reality, when human beings are exposed to darkness, Mm -hmm. are exposed to problems, that's where we develop our tolerance. That's where we develop how to, like, I'm pretty sure, I think the stat is like within the years of, um, zero and five, zero and seven, that mm-hmm. age group, you learn and absorb like 80% of what you know about the world. Mm-hmm. And like those years are so critical. And if everything is perfect, then you think, the then you think that by the time you're 21 years old, you're 25 years old, that the f- first hardships that you're dealing with are like the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But no, if you had already been learned- exposed to it at a, at a basic level. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think also just, um, it creates the expect going off of what you said, it creates expectation that happiness is the norm and being comfortable is the norm. And, but actually that's the, that's the exception. That's no. like you're, the, the norm is this, these ups and downs, these, you know, pros and cons of your life, things coming at you. You, you have to be able to, uh, yeah. you have to be able to accept that life involves struggling, you know? Yeah. And if you aren't taught that at a young age, you will be so confused. Yeah. No, if life has its ups and downs and you have to know how to accept that and and live your life like that because the human brain wants to look for struggle. It wants to look for hardship because when it overcomes that, mm-hmm. then it's more rewarding and that's where you find happiness. Mm-hmm. If 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 every single day we're happy, that wouldn't be ha- that would be con- that's called contentment. Yeah. That's not happiness. Happiness is like these brief moments. It's it's very brief, but there's a reason why people strive for that is because it's not all the time. Mm-hmm. If it were all the time, then we would live in a very, very, very different very universe. World. Yeah. yeah. I think kind of going back to the whole, like, um, parents, you know, relating this back to the Joker, but parents making a world where their kids, it's butterflies and, and rainbows and stuff. Um, in the Joker, his mom says his whole life is... To make people smile and be happy. Smile and laughter. Smile and laughter. That was, she said, that was his purpose. And it was almost her way of coping with her bad parenting and exposing him to just terrible things as a child. This woman was diagnosed with, um, what was it, narcissistic personality disorder. disorder. And she was a drug addict. And psychosis. Yeah. And she was also abused on top of all that. So basically, we learned that she was crazy. Yeah. So the only parental figure he had was a crazy woman, woman. no siblings and no, no, father no father figure. figure at all and he was also abused and adopted so like he already was in like a rough state yeah but yeah and the reality is is like nice doesn't equal the truth and it, this whole movie is about delaying confronting the truth and the mom is just a perfect example of that she the whole time she thinks that batman's father is the same father as the Joker. And that's what she's been, you know, telling her son Yeah, she's been feeding him lies his whole life. Yeah. So him having to deal with all this other stuff on top of what, he was like 35 in the movie, you just now find out this entire massive revelation. Like, I would be pissed. Yeah. That would cause me to snap. Yeah. That was basically his snapping point in the movie. We had seen, I think, like 10 instances before that one moment where he mm-hmm. finally connected all those dots. Yeah. And every single instance was just like another thing that 
wore him out and wore him out and wore him out. And then that was just like the pinnacle peak moment that he, yeah, his attitude, demeanor just completely changed after that. And another interesting thing, so kind of giving some context to people who haven't seen the film yet. So when he first kills people, he kills three young boys on a train station, or on the train, excuse me, and it's be- it's actually self-defense, which I find super interesting. Like, mm-hmm. he's basically gets beaten up by these three kind of privileged, rich kids that actually... Like Wall Street Wall dudes. Wall Street dudes. Yeah, yeah just finance Stereotypical. guys. Stereotypical. Yeah, they just they start beef with him for no reason. He's just in the corner, and he looks like he's about to die. I mean, he's very skinny in the film, and there's these three buff guys coming at him, and he pulls out a gun that actually was given to him under the table. He didn't get it through. No, he had never shot a gun before. No. They showed some scenes of him trying to use it, and he had no idea what he was doing. No. So he just happens to be carrying this gun, he which didn't even honestly was in his favor. He didn't even... Because these kids were fucking him up. They, like, honestly... They could have killed him. They could have for sure, and yeah. they might have, because it was three versus one, and they're big guys versus a tiny little skinny dude, yeah. which obviously can't put up a fight. And he got the gun from a co-worker... And he didn't want it at first. He goes, I'm mentally ill. I'm not allowed to have this. So he knew he shouldn't have it. Like, it could So clearly we could see from the beginning of the movie that he does have some sense of, like, what's right right and and what's wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy, you know, pressures him to take it. And then the government shuts down his funding for his medication. So he's off his meds. He's getting beat up. And the only self-defense he has is his gun. And he just shoots all of them. And that kind of just sets the yeah. the tone for the, the, the first film. two. He shot like right away within two seconds, and then yeah. the third kind of like got away. Mm-hmm. And I think that was kind of also a, a twist, a twist yeah. because maybe in another world he would have shot them too and been like, "Oh shit! Like, what did I do I wrong? Run away I need to stop. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to shoot the third guy." But I think the fact that he deliberately chased that third. Man, it started to become revenge. That was when it became like Joker. Yeah, you know, like you could see that hint of like, this is fucked up. These kids need to be like destroyed. Like yeah. they need to be killed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then later on in the movie, he kind of justifies that a little bit yeah. more too. Yeah, yeah. I oh, that seems creepy. It's a lot. I would be. So, how afraid would you be if that was you? I don't know. It's well, we're also girls. We don't, not I don't think I would up, initiate a meetup, but who knows? Um, okay, I have another question here. So I asked you, do you think mental illness stems from evil? Mm-hmm. We don't really know. I don't think that either of them are directly connected, or I think it's fairly I think that indirect. they're. I think that they're connected, but I don't. I I don't think like. I think that evil events in your life could cause you to have a mental illness, obviously. Like, if 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 you're, if you have someone that dies or if you've been abused, like, being de- your, your likelihood of being depressed is probably going to be higher or having yeah. anxiety around certain things. Like, struggle and, and evil and darkness can definitely lead to someone developing a mental illness but also it can be biological there's so many different factors it's not one thing you know well mental illness is correlated to human beings yeah and evil really isn't i don't think that human beings are inherently evil Mm -hmm. i i truly don't think that any single person who's ever lived on earth is like was born evil yeah i think unless 
I mean, there are bad people. There is evil in the world. I think there's people that turn 100% evil. Yeah, people can have that happen, but I don't think that anyone is born inherently evil. I think it goes back to, like, what we said about everyone has... I think you're born good, but you have a dark side, and it's all about just keeping that under control. Yeah. So I don't think that mental illness stems 100% from evil, but I do think... That we, what we see more is evil stemming from mental illness, but that is because of our society and because of, yeah, you don't know what people are going through. You truly don't know what you're dealing with at any given moment with a person, and, and that's why you just have to be yeah. kind to everybody. Yeah, I think another thing that's super interesting is since Arthur, like, so at one point he's talking to his therapist, um, and then that eventually gets taken away from him because the government shuts the funding down from that. But his, basically, says his therapist. <laughs> another thing. Yeah, a whole nother that's therapist a whole, gets shut down. A whole oh, no. other situation. Um, and he goes, "My whole life, I thought I had never existed." And at that moment, he kind of realizes after the first murder that he started to feel alive. Yeah. Um, do you, and that train story of him shooting those three guys. The first scene that we could truly see him somewhat happy in was directly after when that. When he's dancing. Yeah, he goes into the creepiest fucking bathroom. Like, it was honestly something out of... I don't even know. I've never yeah. seen anything like before. And he's just dancing. And he's, yeah. like, looking at himself in the mirror. And you can just see, like... It was kind of like a relief. Mm. And I don't really know why. Why do you think he was doing that? Just to kind finally, of, I think, just kind of express himself. I think he finally felt something. I think it goes back. I don't know if we mentioned this quote before, but he said, "You know, he just wants to feel like I hope my death is better than my life." You know, and his mm-hmm. whole life he had never felt something, which he says to his therapist, and then that just made him feel alive. I think he, you know, I think people who don't value their own life. And they don't understand their own dignity. Mm-hmm. They just, they don't, then they realize, I have nothing to lose. I can kill people and it doesn't affect me because I don't even know how to value my own life. Therefore, how could I value someone else's? So that's therefore. kind of the spiral. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I personally can't really get into that headspace. It's another question I have for people, um, for people that do have mental health issues how are people that are mentally healthy able to empathize 100% with their experience I think that's really interesting because because that's something that I want to try to work on yeah me too I mean it's like I want to get to that point where I can fully understand it even though you can't I might not be at that level or whatever I don't think you could ever fully understand something unless you experience that and that doesn't have to do just with mental illness it has to do with you know um a rich person and a poor person or a you know we all we all have such different opposing we just have so many different walks of life even my experience with a sibling is going to be different, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just... Everyone's brains are wired differently. Yeah. It's like, even if you think you've gone through something somewhat similar, how how one person may interpret it may be completely different than that other person who interprets mm-hmm. it. And I think how the film brings that up is... So, during the scene, there's kind of this side battle where the whole city is kind of in a disarray. You have 
a huge population of poor people. You see trash on the streets. There's a lot of people struggling. It looks like they're in some sort of recession. You know, there's a lot of government cuts, a lot of, you see prostitution, prostitutes kind of wandering the streets. And then you have, um, what's the name of the gentleman who's Batman's father? Oh, Wayne, Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne's running. Bruce Wayne's father. Yeah, Bruce Wayne's father is running for mayor of the city. And his whole pitch is like, I have it figured out, and I'm going to help you guys figure it out. We need to, like, get this city together, which his heart's in the right place, but he's not really sympathizing with these people. And how can he? His life is, he's in this gated community, right? This huge house. It's beautiful. And I think that's a huge problem in our society. Like, we need to really, you know, both the people from the poor side, but also the rich side, they need to kind of be willing to understand and learn from each other's perspectives so that they can feel comfortable accepting help from each other to make their lives better, you know? Yeah. These people weren't, they didn't want his help. They saw him as elitist or whatever. Yeah, and maybe he might not have been the best guy ever, but, like... But he could have. He had good intentions, he I had, think. I think that he did, too. Yeah. yeah, he was trying to protect his son, which we did get to see, like, a, a, a glimpse of <laughs> young Bruce Wayne, young <laughs> Batman or whatever. But you see that in our society right now, too. Like, I think that a lot of people that may be, uh, per se, underprivileged may look at rich people and be like, well, fuck them. Like, they're, like, they don't need that. Like, like me, getting broken into, getting my bike stolen or whatever, they're probably like, oh, does she need that? No. It was probably, like, a survival tactic Uh for them to, like, steal shit because that's what they have to do And and that's what is required for them to survive. Yeah, so their first initial reaction to you is kind of like, like, you you don't need this, I need this more. And your reaction to them doing that initially is kind of like, well, that's just wrong, why are you doing that? But in reality, from their perspective, and what you can maybe understand... It's not wrong. It's it's not wrong, it's survival. They need it more than you. So it's just... And I think an interesting example of this is like mother... I think Mother Teresa and, and Gandhi and some other people like that have did a really good job of, you know, letting go of all of their belongings and helping people from the bottom up. Because uh-huh. a lot of people who are struggling, you have to at least try to get to their level and empathize empathize with them. Because yeah. otherwise she is she's an anomaly because a lot of people would be like, Okay, I'm gonna go on a mission trip and I'm gonna don't donate this Start amount a foundation. of time. Yeah, yeah, donate this amount of money, this amount of time go visit this place for a month or whatever. Mm-hmm. But her case was she was like, I am dedicating my life. I am downgrading my entire existence right now. And I'm putting myself at this level so that I can 100% relate to them and go through what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And like that and is probably them. doing more for them than anything else. That's true service. That is true service. Giving up. Whatever the hell you may have that other people are like, oh, that's considered privileged and putting yourself at a level that will truly allow people to relate to you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, <laughs> that is actually, yeah, it's a great example. It's a perfect example of service. Right now we have too much of elite people looking down and just critiquing how people live their lives saying, we have the power to fix it. We know better than you. When in reality, we're all... No trying one, to figure it out. Yeah, no all, one truly does. No We're one all has all the out. answers. No one does. Yeah, like, and another thing too is people will always look at money, unfortunately, and be like, that's considered success, that's considered intelligence, yeah. that's considered this or that. When in reality, 
it's completely subjective. You don't know how a person got to where they are. You don't know how. It's just everyone has a different story. Yeah. Yeah. I like that Mother Teresa example, though. It's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm looking. So we're trying to figure out how to just see things through people's lenses. Yeah. And it's really hard to do. I'm going to be better at it, or I'm going to try. I'm going to try, too. Um, so kind of going, kind of a, a somewhat, this is a weird pivot, but like before we got into seeing things from other people's point of view and whatnot, we were talking about um, Arthur talking to a therapist about how he didn't feel like he had existed until, you know, that first murder happened. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times with mass shootings, we see a lot of people, a lot of assassins will do it based off of um, being compulsive, but sometimes it's very orchestrated. And, you know, maybe they weren't recognized in school. Maybe they weren't recognized in home. And so this is their kind of final straw to it's get like their outlet. that recognition. Yeah. Um, and we've seen even a lot of reporters that now won't publish the name of these mass shooters, which yeah. I think is super interesting. And not even reporters, like podcast people, people. social media influencers, podcasters, radio, like radio hosts, everybody, because they're, I, I don't really know what they gain from that. I guess it's just, like, stopping this trend of, like, releasing this information. Well, because I guess it is. I always kind of just figured it was, like, the family, like, the shooter's family preferring to not release their, like, their relative's mm-hmm. information or something like that. No, it's, it's, I very, that. it's very strategic. And I, I, in the movie, relating it back to the film, you see the Joker, uh, or I'll call him Arthur, he looks at the newsstand and it's his, you know, it's a, it's his story of killing people and his whole life he's watched TV. He's never been the one yeah. on stage. He's never succeeded in that way. When he tries to do stand up that one time, it's an absolute failure and everyone just makes fun of him. It's the first time he can be proud of something he did. Giving our kids like self-confidence at a young age and allowing them to be proud of themselves is probably the best way to combat this. And I think this is a problem in our society. We're Waiting till the end when someone shoots someone to be like, oh, wow, there's a problem. Yeah, we're coming at it all backwards. It's like we need to figure out and implement ways to prevent this stuff from happening Mm -hmm. and help people get to a better place that they wouldn't even think of doing that Mm -hmm. as opposed to, oh, this happened, like, let's do this, this, and this to fix it. It's just, it's so after the fact. Like, we, we need to stop being so after yeah, the fact. Yeah, we need to be more proactive. Why does it take people to die to then think of these solutions that aren't even getting to the root of the problem? Why, like, locking someone up, why, what's the purpose of locking someone up if you could help them at a young age from pre- preventing even doing any of these awful things? I yeah. think schools, that should be the first step. Like, we already have government-funded schools that's where the the money should be going and the time and the energy and the reconstruction of our whole education system. Like, it's if you could just give kids, if we could identify kids' um, strengths at an earlier age, like their talents, some people might only have one gift. And if you could just give them that confidence in that one gift. So all they need is one, one area thing, where... One area. I mean, a lot of people have more than that, but a human being definitely needs something that they know that they can succeed at or else, like, they're going to go crazy. No, they are. And that's what happened in this. He didn't have one thing. And um, the uh, Jamie Oliver, who's a very famous chef, actually, in Britain, 
he talks about he had extreme dyslexia as a child and and and, and uh, AD and all of that stuff, and he failed out of school and and I don't even I think he didn't even go to college or anything, but he mm, always had food. He always had food as his one thing, and he just said, "You're all really it, good at that." All it takes is just to have passion in one area, yeah, to be happy and to to have that self confidence. And it's it's you you need a purpose, and you like purpose. if you don't have a purpose, then you're just gonna be fucking lost. Yeah, yeah. And and school just sets you up for disaster because they're like, we have one metric for measuring you and your intelligence, and that's tests and that's these and that's this one through seven subjects yeah yeah math that, that's english so, so limiting our society right now is so above that and beyond that we're so special and that's another topic we want to do it we'll do a whole podcast too, but on it's that. just yeah those years those primitive years like what i said earlier like one through five one through seven or whatever if these kids are not able to reach that potential or even absorb like absorb um knowledge that would apply to their lives in like a positive way then that's already just putting them off on the wrong foot yeah yeah and i think this touches on that as well <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> government man i know we try to we we really guys we really try to stay away from politics but everything like, is political nowadays. everything is and take it or leave it from what we had to say but we're going to say it because it definitely relates to what we're talking about right now. Yeah. Um, in terms of mass shootings, because you just brought that up. Yeah. Um, mass shootings are a very sensitive subject and very scary and are a real unfortunately thing. a real thing. Yeah. Um, what I'm curious about is what is the percentage of the shooters or the assassins or whatever doing it based on like compulsive, compulsive, compulsivity, or do you think that they're more orchestrated? Like, what is the percentage of those two? Um, if you could guess, mass shooting. What do you think? I think mass shootings are definitely, I think, orchestrated. We've seen that whether it's these manifestos, whether it's, um, you know, they've they had a terrible time. We kind of touched this before, but they have a terrible time at school, and they're trying to show their classmates that who they are, like, don't bully me, whatever. Yeah. But I think um, where things are more compulsive with shootings is something that we saw at the beginning of the film with self-defense. Or if you have a couple that has been doing a lot of domestic abuse and then finally the next thing is the wife pulls a gun on the husband or vice versa. I think that's where you see things being so compulsive. that's more like in the moment. In the moment, one-on-one. Yeah, one-on-one. Okay. Types of gang violence that, that I think that's a little bit more compulsive. I think these mass shootings are definitely orchestrated. I mean, um, that the one in Las Vegas, he was supposed to first go to Lollapalooza, and then <laughs> I was there yeah. that year. Oh yeah. my gosh, I remember when that, that article came yeah. out, I freaked out. Yeah, he stayed in my hotel. I know, I know, <laughs> what? it's literally so terrifying. Talk about everything happening for a reason, yeah. Okay, so yeah, definitely the think, the bigger ones that obviously are in a like populated location or planned out like that has to be that is very strategic. Yeah, and you see this evolve in the film. At first, you know, when he gets the gun, he's like, "I will never use this. Like, I don't even want it." And then it becomes the self defense, and then it becomes a he shoots people he's trying to get back at. You know, he shoots so Murray. There's different levels. There's just yeah. levels. He shoots Murray because. He makes fun of him. He sh- he suffocates his mom because his mom made him have a terrible life. You know the et cetera, et cetera. theme is people that wronged him. Yeah, which 
honestly makes sense. Yeah. I mean, obviously killing people is not well, okay. Because he, like, let, he let them... To his justification, he was killing people that had wronged him after he was already just brutally beaten up yeah. over and over and over again. And he did let that little guy go. I know, the dwarf guy. There was this little dwarf guy who was honestly the shortest dwarf I've ever seen on like a <laughs> screen before. And he just let him go. He was like, you were the only one who was good to me. Good to me, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix absolutely killed it. I, I We want him to win the Oscar I because him. I think that he deserves it. But another political perspective is that he's probably not going to win the Oscar because yeah. there's been not a, lot a lot of, of people reviews. there's just been a lot of um controversy over this movie and talking about gun violence and talking about shootings and and yeah because there's so many themes within this film mm-hmm. it just yeah it's it's a minefield and then it makes everyone get all riled up yeah for sure um yeah I, I was just curious about the um mass shooting thing mm-hmm. um i think okay well i think this is a huge part of it there's so much irony of arthur the joker laughing instead of crying mm-hmm. so throughout the whole yeah. film at first you see you see the laughing you kind of like oh that's his persona like oh i'm used to seeing that in the dark night whatever and then as all the sequences go on with the film you start to see he's only laughing when it's a sad moment or uncomfortable or distressful, you know, he's not laughing at funny things. It's very weird. It's no, just it's so strange. We fig- I wasn't 100% sure until I saw him crying after he got like punched in the face by his dad. Like he had, yeah. there was, there were moments where he was laughing, but you couldn't really tell if he was sad or not. It yeah. was just kind of it happening. Yeah. And then when you finally see that he was in a moment that would make him, cry and then he's yeah. replacing that with laughter then it's like the actual proof that whatever happened to him as a child whether that was conditioned that way i think it he truly w- had a mental illness to make him laugh instead of crying like, I think i've he never was, even heard of that like, no what? i think he was conditioned i think based off of his what we figured out with his mom trying to cover up his abuse by saying you were meant to make people laugh and be happy like he was always a, a ha- she what she said he was always a happy boy. He's always a happy boy. That's what she told the so she like, ne- psych ward. She said he worker. never cried. So she ha- also believed this delusion that this happened. She ha- this, was delusional. She was so crazy. Yeah, so he probably had that from a really young age. Ingrained and it in just, him. Yeah, yeah, it just got ingrained his entire upbringing. Yeah. It is pretty creepy, though, the laugh. Like, it is. And I honestly, I'm going to have nightmares about that tonight. I know, I know. If you just heard that in public. It's like, I, I don't want to be mean or stereotypical, but it does just sound so crazy. Well, and it's just hard because if you are a person out in the world and you heard that, you would be freaked out. You're on the train and you just hear that all of a sudden. Like, yeah, if I'm on it's the so train hard with my not like, to be little judgmental. kid who's three years old yeah. and he's talking to some grown-ass man who's laughing like that, like I'd be like... I'm sorry, but, like, get away from my kid, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, that um, is very ironic, and I think that his entire his entire being is ironic, like, how he's, um, he works as a clown, but has a depressed life. Yeah. He's supposed to be happy, but, but. he really has no joy inside. Mm-hmm. He laughs and 
place of crying. Yeah. He, there's so many kind of... Ironic things. Yeah, weird yeah. ironies that are in him. Um, yeah, this kind of goes back to his childhood or whatever, but I thought it was interesting that the only, like, parental influence he had was his mother. There was no father figure at all. Do you think yeah. that that had anything to do with... Um, you know, do you, do you think that's 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 something that we're kind of missing right now in America's society? We have so many divorces, so many, um, I mean, just so many single mothers, which obviously I think a lot of single mothers do a great job, but I do also think, like, having, you know, both parents, if possible, is super helpful in terms of um, upbringing. And that yeah. movie kind of touched on that as well. Well, first off, I think that having a parent, even just a one, one parent, amazing parent that's awesome. All yeah. amazing as is, but I do think that a mom and a dad bring completely different things to the table that is indisputable. Mm-hmm. Just how they go about parenting, how they go about life, how they bring different perspectives to the table. I think that those create like a balance for kids. And obviously, he only had a mom. So and a crazy one. That, that might have that yeah. might have already kind of set things off in a crazy way, but yeah, right now with America, like these kids, it is really important for kids to have a dad. Yeah. Because I think that there's a stereotype of like women being more nurturing and like wanting to protect kids and which making sure nothing hurts them, which is amazing. But I also think that that. That doesn't bring, like, the the rough, tough kind of this-is-life type viewpoint to the table. Yeah, let's deal with it. I think that a stereotype with dads, and a lot of dads do have that, is they are the ones to kind of be maybe more aggressive with their kids, but it, it, in the long run, pays off more because it teaches you a lot more about life and, and being more resilient and, mm-hmm. and have the fortitude to deal with stuff later on that in a young age when that's ingrained, it's so important. Yeah, and there's been so much research around this. Even something as simple as um, your dad, a lot of times dads will roughhouse with the kids, whereas moms are yeah. kind of a little... It's not really their thing. Like, and oh, I'll braid your hair. Yeah, like, well, and they're, and they're also hesitant to it because... You know, they see, oh my gosh, things could shatter, things are getting destroyed, my kid, your kid could get hurt, whereas dads are comfortable doing that and kind of monitoring that. But what dads will teach you is the difference between being aggressive and assertive, and if you, you know, hit your dad in the wrong place or try to poke his eye out, he'll stop you and be like, hey, that's enough, like, yeah. we're done here. Like, he'll set the law between what's, you know, fun and, and, and exciting and what's, like what's playful and then what goes too far. Yeah. 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 Whereas, Whereas moms, what do you, how do you think moms would go? I think that? if they just start seeing any sort of aggression, they just want to break it up immediately before, you know, even with your sibling, like I remember roughhousing with my sister all the time and, um, <laughs> part like, of life, it's just part of life and yeah. it, it teaches you those boundaries with people, um, at a really early age. And there's been a lot of research. That, that is true. Yeah. Cause hey, um, Arthur's mom, not only was only just a single mom, but she also was just this um, nice kind of rainbows and butterflies, smile and laughter like mm-hmm. type influence. And so that was all he was taught to do and like absorb and give off. And he's also being abused. And he's also being abused <laughs> on top of that. So there was just no like balance in like what emotions were going out 
imbalance of what was coming in. Mm-hmm. And that and goes back to that managing the darkness. Yeah. You know? Nice does not equal truth. Yeah. Nice does not equal reality. Like we, we live in reality. We need to embrace reality and accept it and learn how to manage that or mm-hmm. else things are going to go haywire. <laughs> Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I'm glad you brought that up. I really like that. That's another one. Guys, there are so many things to talk about with this. Have we covered all of it for the most part? I don't know. I mean, I think that between good versus evil, normal versus weird, all that's subjective. Yeah. Um, Elite versus lower class, that's a big one. We talked about that. Um, The laughing and crying duo and then um I I do I did write this down that I really wanted to bring up um Arthur said a quote I think this was in like the beginning Mm -hmm. um he goes people expect you to behave as if you don't okay so uh what do you think that quote means um personally I think that it means um we all have some sort of darkness or we all have an inclination to think bad things sometimes, to do bad things sometimes, and that's just who we are. Like, if you try to cover that up, then you're wrong. That's, I mean, you need to (laughs) face the truth here. But um, people in society shove that out of the picture, like, that that's not okay at all. Don't We're not supposed to have bad thoughts whatsoever. We're not supposed to do bad things whatsoever. But if we had maybe a different approach to, like, addressing that, then maybe we might not have such a stigma around it. I agree. I think that, like, now more than ever, like, um, we're kind of in the Salem witch trial periods, and we kind of talked (laughs) about this before Uh with, um, you know, with censorship, and we talked about this with... Uh, a virtual signaling and just shutting people down so quickly if you make the tiniest mistake that's documented on the internet and there's no forgiveness and we've kind of turned into this anti-forgiveness culture and I think that ties yeah, into cancel this. Yeah, cancel culture. It's cancel one culture. One person does one thing wrong online and then all of a sudden they're just ex-nade. Like yes. You, they have no say in anything. Like their opinions don't matter. They don't matter. And that ties back to this. It's like society expects you to never mess up. To never have a dark thought, to never, you know, but we need to, we need to have room for forgiveness because we're humans. We are going to make mistakes and our job is to min- slowly yeah. through our lives, mitigate those mistakes. So they're tinier and tinier and less harmful to people. But if you have a world that's saying it's either all or nothing, if someone's like, you have to be a hundred percent all the time, that is so disheartening. Why would you try? Why would you try to be a good person if if someone's if society's like oh you just have to be born out of the womb a hundred percent? No, there's just no possible way to attain that. It's like we're striving for that, awesome, but like clearly our world isn't perfect, and we have a really long way to go. We can't strive for that. It's too unrealistic of an expectation. No, we can strive. And to- the fact is, is we even know we all know this about ourselves, yet we have created this for ourselves. Yeah. It just I don't know how it really has happened, but like it has. Yeah. And the, even with like the internet, there's these trolls that go online and just tear people apart like for one little thing that they said or one little thing that they did. And that's kind of what we're seeing the most like in our society right yeah. now at least with like cancel culture mm-hmm. and and um combating the bad, yeah. at least the apparent bad. And like it just 
it's so out of, no, it's just so out of context because if you actually analyze yourself, like I have had so many bad thoughts. I've had so, like I've said bad things. I've done, okay, I haven't really done bad things, but like we all have a side and like that's just who we are. Well, yeah. And yeah, I think that quote's just awesome. So many <laughs> great quotes in this. And I know when, when I, first I first saw, saw that, that I, it took me it took me at least we it spent like an hour just going through that quote trying to figure out what it means. Yeah, no, but when I first saw the movie, I was like, oh, like I saw I read that and I saw it in his like journal because he has like a journal yeah. in the movie that he writes shit in and writes his like little jokes in and whatever. I first saw that and I was like, oh, like that's an interesting. I've never heard that quote before, but seeing it again, I was like, wow, like that really has like a background to it Mm -hmm. yeah i think kind of that's a good place to end i think that kind of that quote kind of sums up the film in its entirety yeah Um, kind of a lot of overarching themes yes Mm -hmm. yeah this has been a whirlwind guys Thank you Thank so you. much for listening. Yeah, we appreciate it. I would it. highly, we would highly recommend that you go see this movie. If you it's haven't already. Amazing. It's, it's so really good. good. I'm definitely buying it on iTunes when it comes out. Yeah. And we can rewatch it again. Compare. I need to keep watching it. <laughs> like, I, I, every time you watch something, you take in new things. And I think it's super important to do that. Yeah. And I hope that this may be, I hope that we maybe made you guys think a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have seen the movie, like, I honestly would love to hear what everyone's thoughts what are. What everyone's thoughts are, yeah. yeah. That yeah. would be, I, I, I truly enjoy talking about some of this stuff. And even though it's dark, like, I think that there also is a stigma around talking about this type of stuff. Like, you have to it be, kinda, you have to be PC all the time and you can't say this or that because it might offend people. No, we need to stop coddling everybody. This is real life and, like, these conversations are really important to have every now and then. Yeah. So. I, I think it's cool because I think... Mental illness, mental illness is such a big thing right now. It's and prevailing you everywhere. You need these films yeah. that kind of get you to talk Think. about it with people. You go to a film with a movie, or you go to the movie with someone, and you come out of it, and now all of a sudden it's inspired you to have this conversation about mental illness that needs to be had. Yeah, you know? no more freaking um, Spider-Man saves the day and, like, <laughs> ends up with the girl, yeah. like... I mean, that's great to watch and, like, it makes you feel good. But, like, it's good to see films every now and then that kind of portray a more realistic sense of life and what we have going on. And, yeah, and that's totally fine. Yeah. So. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. um, And tune in next time. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June.